Oh yes people, it's a new episode of Echo Chamber And it's me and you, your mama and your brother too That's right baby We are starting as we do With the UK box office top 10 For the weekend of the 16th to the 18th of October Okay So we've got mm, Two new releases Two new entries this week I believe But at number 10 We have Bill and Ted Face the Music From director Dean Parrott You're in It's starring Keanu Reeves Alex Winter Christian Schull And Samara Weaving At number 9 We have got Dan Scanlon's Onward With a voice cast of Tom Holland Chris Pratt Julia Julia Louise Dufres And John Rassenberger At number 8 Is a new entry It's the Uh Nathan Grossman Documentary about Greta Thunberg I am Greta Okay So that means At number 7 We've got another new entry And um, it's an old one <laughs> So we are going back in time With Kenny Ortega's Hocus Pocus so people, this starred Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Nami, and Ormi Katz, along with Fora Birch. Okay, so at number six, we've got Sophie Capella's On the Rocks, which stars Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, Marlon Waynes, and Jenny Slate. Which means at number five, we've got Cats and Dogs Free, Pause Unite. <laughs> this is from director Sean McNamara, and it has Princess Davis, uh, Sarah Giles, Max Greenford, and Megan Petter Hill. Show at number ooh, at number four we have After We Collide. This is from Roger Crumble, and it stars Josephine Langford, Hero Finds Tiffin, Louise Lombard, and Dylan Sprouse. So at number two, at number three, people. We have St. Maud. This was a huge hit for Rose Glass at the twin oh the 63rd BFI London Film Festival that happened last year. It had a um, great performance in the lead role of Maud from uh, Morphid Clark. Also, we have Jennifer L. Lily Knight and Lily Frazier. At number two, we've got a um, event cinema production of Michael Ball and Alfie Bowes Back Together concert, which means. St- 
Still at number one, we have Christopher Nolan's Tenant, which, you know, people, it stars Elizabeth Rabicki, or, yeah, Elizabeth, well, not Rabicki, sorry, Elizabeth Delbicki, uh, Robert Patterson, Aaron Taylor Johnson, John David Washington, and Clement Posey. And people, if you haven't seen it, you need to go check it out now. Well, people, this episode, it's a bit of a fat one. We have four films, okay? So, um, you know, I think we've got what? Mm. One that's already beat came out earlier in the week. Then we've got uh, a couple that are out uh, like tomorrow, and then um, another that is out on Monday. So yeah, and these films are all drastically different from each other. So yeah, it's got something for everyone, people. But before we get into those. Let's listen to some information. Independent cinema pop-up screens is back this winter, taking over Peckham's popular boozy building with a season of exciting and immersive events taking place from from the 23rd of October to the 20th of December. The pop-up Peckham series will feature scary screenings in a forbidden forest, belly laughs at the first ever Peckham Comedy Festival, a half-term family film fest, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, a stunning cinematic Christmas experience set in a magical snow-filled Wonderland. The Forbidden Forest Cinema, which takes place the 23rd of October to the 15th of November, it's kicking off the schedule of events, will be um, a collection of immersive Fright Night Halloween screenings. Visitors must brave their way through a forbidden forest before discovering an eerie woodland cinema. The perfect setting for their favourite film. Films include Halloween horror favourites such as A Nightmare on Elm Street, Hereditary, It, Beetlejuice, Scream, The Shining and The Blair Witch Project. As well as cult classics like Donnie Darko, Rocky Horror Picture Show, From Dusk Till Dawn, Labyrinth and The Craft. Half-term screenings of Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Onward, Myuna, Minions and Toy Story 4 will also be part of the schedule, coupled with a family-friendly magical adventure through the mysterious forest. Adult tickets will be priced from £22, including all fees, with concessions for family tickets and half-term screenings. A limited amount of VIP tickets will also be made available at £27.50, again, including all fees, premium seats and a drink. Other announced events that will follow later in the year include 
Peckham Comedy Festival, the 19th to the 22nd of November, and the return of Cinema in the Snow, which is the 27th of November to the 20th of December. Okay, so the booking information are in the episode details. So, if you fancy some cinema in a forest, some snow and comedy, go and check it out. Okay, people, if you are enjoying all the new films hitting Shudder this October, well... November is definitely going to be another treat for you Uh, As the platform launches some new original Yeah, new original content On the 5th of November is a blood vessel Right, so um, it stars Nathan Phillips Elisa Sutherland Robert Taylor It's directed by Justin Dix And it's basically this Somewhere in the North Atlantic Late 1945 A life raft adrift at sea And in it the survivors of a torpedoed hospital ship With no food, water or shelter All seems lost Until a seemingly abandoned German minesweeper Drifts ominously towards them Giving them one last chance at survival If they can survive the bloodthirsty monsters On board Hmm So, on the 12th of November Then you're getting a lingering A.K.A. Hotel Lake So, um Yeah, this is from director Yoon Eun Koyong it stars Lee Si Young um, and Park Ji Yoon. So, seeking support as the guardian of a younger brother, Yu Mi returns to a small hotel run by a family friend. As bizarre incidents creep up on in her mother's old room, Yu Mi will have to unravel the supernatural mystery and discover the truth before it's. Too late Uh, So then On the 19th of November Is a um, a documentary It's called Leap of Faith William Friedkin On The Exorcist Uh, So um, Yeah it's from uh, Director Alexandra O. Philippe and um, of course, it's starring William Friedkin. So, um, a lyrical and spiritual cinematic essay on The Exorcist. Leap of Faith explores the uncharted depths of William Friedkin's mind's eye, the nuances of his filmmaking process, and the mysteries of faith and fate that have shaped his life and filmography. The film marks the sit feature documentary from Philippe, um, continuing his thoughtful analysis of iconic genre films. Yeah. And then, people, on the 24th of November, you will be getting porno. So, this is uh, from Keila Rasalela. 
Okay, um, and it's starring Robbie Tan, Caitlin Pierce, Evan Davies, Laura Saperstein, um, Gillian Muller, and Glenn Slot. So, when five repressed teen employees at a local movie theatre in a small Christian town discover a mysterious old film hidden in its basement, they unleash an alluring demon that is determined to give them a sex education. Written in blood. Bom, bom, bom. So, uh, yeah. There's some uh, definitely new stuff coming in November. You're getting some old films as well. So, um, Urban Legend, that will be hitting um, along with Salem's Lot, the old Stephen King film. They'll be coming on the 2nd of uh, November. Um, Yeah, and a, a lot of other stuff, people. So, if you don't have it, might be time for you to uh, go check out Shudder. Okay, people, so now we have all of that out the way, let's get into this week's films. Okay, so it's always fun, right, to check out new films. And I, when I see new film, I mean, any, any film that's coming out is a new film. I, I mean, essentially, unless it's a re-release and blah, blah, blah. But what I mean is from directors and talent that you haven't heard of before. You know, so it's like, oh, I wonder what this director can do. You know, I wonder what these actors and actresses can do. And, um, yeah, so when I get emails, you know, I, I'm always like, yeah, I'm open to checking that out, right? So, um, you know, I got such an email f- about a new film from uh, Ronnie Patel. You know, he um, he co-wrote the feature with Andrew Erickson. You know, and uh, it's called Chop Chop. So it's sold as a crime horror thriller if you check imbd you know and it's starring we've got atala arcy as Liv matthews we got jake taylor as chuck matthews uh we've also got david harper as teddy um mikhail matson as clark jeremy jordan as detective minaya uh, James McCabe as Jeffrey, who is, I think Jeffrey's Jake's brother, right? Um, Mike Thompson as Jerry. Yeah, uh, and a few other people thrown in there, you know? Um, so, right, the uh, gist of the film is this. Right, an innocent night between a young couple takes a bizarre turn when a psychopath serial killer comes knocking at the door. As the couple starts to fend for their lives, we soon learn 
there might be more to the lovers than meets the eye. A long fight for survival leads them into a series of unsettling encounters within the criminal underworld. So that sounds real interesting. You know what I mean? Sounds intriguing, right? So yeah, I was like, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'll check this out. I'm down for this. You know, and... Hmm. It's interesting. Because what we have... Is this interesting concept for a film. You know what I mean? Now, some of the execution... Like, there's definitely parts of it that feel like we're missing out on stuff, right? Now, what happens, like, the film starts off and we see a guy, you know, in a, 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 a police delivery guy. So he's walking, he's holding a pizza box. He's also holding a bag that looks like it is full of, I don't even know but some bloody remains or something. But then we also, it, it seems that someone's following him and, or keeping tabs on him, right? So we see that. Then we, we see uh, a woman, right? Who, you know, turns out to be Liv. And we're not quite sure what she's doing, right? Because we see her, like, put a dress on leave then somewhere else she's applying makeup and then we see her come home so here he, like it seems that she's come home from work when she walks in and speaks to her husband but you you have no clue of what that work is you know what she like you have no clue right but we have this we then have them. So you kind of figure, oh, it seems like there's some sort of anniversary or maybe there's a birthday or something. Because he's cooked for her. Now she's just like, oh, I thought you were going to take me out. And, you know, he picks her up. They uh, hit the bedroom. Things don't go well in the bedroom. <laughs> like, you know, what we, we have a scene of them... Suddenly, you know, he picks her up, puts her on the bed, they're laughing. Then it cuts to him sitting on the side of the bed and she's like, hey, it's okay. You know, rubbing his back. Yeah, it's fine. So yeah, straight away, you you know, oh, all right, homie wasn't able to, um, yeah, he didn't deliver the pizza, let's say, right? We then just suddenly, for some reason, cut to them, you know, attempting the build up and then it doesn't work which is an odd way of constructing that scene but it gives you a sense of something there's something between them. like there's something that's happened you know so i don't know if it's a work situation but there's some sort of stress within the relationship but you're kind of thinking okay it can't be too crazy because you know the fact that the celebration was planned you know 
and you wonder if it is a job thing because she's like oh, i thought you were gonna take me out but so he hasn't taken her out he's cooked instead so you think oh maybe it's a financial thing who knows who knows but then we kind of get to them cooking having it and they're having a, a fun night right he goes to the toilet she's um you know in the living room and then we get a knock on the door and that's when things start to go a little crazy so we see the pizza guy who we saw at the very start of the film right so that happens now from that moment i don't know like a whole heap of crazy goes down Right, and I think, like, look, you don't want to say too much, but you don't want to ruin it. You do wonder, though, right? So there's a few things that do get a little bit, hmm, like precarious. Precarious? Mm, yeah, I pronounced that wrong. I realize, people, you know, but bear with me, okay? So things are going down that you're not quite sure about, right? There's, there's all these weird incidents, but you kind of think, why? Right? Why? Now, one thing that is a bit odd, though, because my man's on the toilet. So Chuck's on the toilet while Liv is dealing with a situation. And you have him hear some parts, but then there's other parts, and you're thinking... All right, if he heard the first bit, how did he not hear the neck? Like, he it, it took him a little while before he comes and helps. And you're just like, how the fuck it take him that long? Like, how are you not hearing what's going on if you heard some of the other stuff? Doesn't make any sense. But, um, yeah, all of this goes down, right? And they realize they need help. They realize some other shit happens. They realize they need help. And they go contact Chuck's brother. But in the build-up to this point, yeah, realize, okay, so there's something between Chuck and his brother. Right? And there's something between there's something with them as well, because there is a hesitance to involve the authorities. But we don't know any like any of this shit, right, we have no clue about, like, what, what are the possible things that are stopping other things from happening, you know, it, and that's a little bit frustrating to some extent, but when he meets up with his brother, right, there's other things become a bit clearer, but then they make the beginning not so clear because it's kind of like, wait, why? You know what I mean? Like, why did that happen? You know, that makes no sense for that to do that when that was, you know what I mean? I mean, it, yeah, it, it, it's hard. There's, you know, I'm not trying to spoil the film for you people. Um, but yeah, there's these things that are going down which make it a not not so clear. Also, you kind of think that I think it's 
easy to work out if someone's dead or not. I'd have said, you know what I mean? I don't even know. I'm not, what? I've not killed someone. So, you know, maybe I'm saying that for, uh, you know, to not incriminate myself. But yeah, you're going to have to bear with me, people. I just figure if, if someone's dead, there's ways of working out if they're dead. Right? So, it, it, yeah, there's things here that don't necessarily play out as well as they could. And you kind of feel, right? Like, there's stuff here. It, it's a fun story. But there's elements that could have been executed a little bit better. You know what I mean? That's a problem, right? I think sometimes the chemistry doesn't feel as great between the couple. You're kind of like, are they a couple? I don't know. Like, it is, it, yeah, sometimes it's hard to tell, right? Just because the dynamic is a bit iffy. Some of the dialogue is iffy. You know, it's a little bit clunky, right? And also there's things that you think, well, yeah, there's stuff that would be said, but it's not said. So it, you're just like, what's happening here? Which then leads you into what's the situation with them, right? Because, as I said, look, the beginning of the film kind of gives you that there is something. There is a something there which could play into the dialogue, but because we don't know. It just feels like clunky dialogue. You feel me? Like there's stuff here that with a bit more explanation, I think the flow would work better, right? And that's uh, that's some of the frustration with the film because there's stuff, there's something here, but it, it feels like uh, maybe we lost some stuff in editing. You know what I mean? Which would have just helped to flesh out certain moments and the rationale behind those moments. You know what I mean? So we we get to the like the end again. There's stuff towards the end that doesn't necessarily make sense with the information we've been given. And and also there's stuff at his brother's house really makes no sense when it's a brother going to his brother's house so yeah there's a whole heap of stuff in that situation that you're like huh right what i think there seems to be a lot of twins as well twins or relatives now that just might be my dodgy eyesight but that's what it, yeah, it feels like there's something there with that too. But yeah, maybe I'm just not seeing shit that well. So I don't know. It's hard to fully uh, go into that aspect of things. Now, Patel, he has utilized this kind of act process with the film like we start off with like the you know the map meet the matthews then we have oh um 
the reunion and like there's different phases of the film that are you know introed with a place kind of card with yellow text big yellow bold text saying blum 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 and then we get you know into more right the next phase there's not so much we have a hard cut but it's overlaid on the screen and there's usually some music but it's that music that you kind of have like you it was kind of big in mm, i say maybe the 80s 90s you know which then makes it feel a bit out of place within this film you know, and it's also a bit the loudness of it right it just becomes a little obtrusive so if they could have pared that down a bit you know what I mean? And also, I would have just used different music. Or just no music in those places. Because it doesn't really do anything to drive it forward. Like, the, the yellow text, the act, separation, that's fine. But yeah, the music, this dum-dum-dum, you know, it's just like, eh, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? This isn't helping anything, people. But yeah, hmm, it's an interesting one. There's, as I said, look, there's a, there's an interesting idea for sure here. But yeah, there's elements that do let it down, which is a shame. But you know, this is Patel's directorial debut. It's his first feature film, so there is definitely promise here right there's definitely promise so it'll be interesting to see how he you know moves forward from the experience like what he does next so um yeah i don't know it'd be interesting so the film actually came out on tuesday uh the 20th which is just like huh why are you bringing out a film on a tuesday son you know what i mean but hey you know that happens but yeah, you know, it, so you can get it just on the usual VOD spots, right? You know, Amazon, iTunes, yeah, wherever you uh, pick up your films, you will be able to get this there. Spectrum, Vuda, Voodoo, Comcast, it's all there, people. So, um, yeah. If you're into, um, you know, some indie, indie gore and horror, you know, you want to check out something from a potentially new light in that industry, then maybe Chop Chop is for you, okay? So, um, there you go. Okay, so. When half-term approaches, you know that there will be sometimes a swathe of films, sometimes maybe just one or two, but there will be films that hit just keyed in for that audience, 
that demographic, that the, those youngsters, something that will allow parents to, um, you know, get some peace for a few hours. You know what I mean? Farm the kids off to the cinema, which I mean, it used to be a thing. <laughs> now, I, hey, but let's be real, right? Pandemic or not, parents want peace, so they will just. I, I'm sure they'll risk it. You know what I mean? Throw a mask on the little shit and throw them to the cinema. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. So, right, what should they watch? Well, take key in with uh, all of that. We have a new film out from uh, director Sean Olsen. So it's called uh, Max Winslow and the House of Secrets, 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 Secrets. It is produced by Johnny Remo, written by Jeff Wilde. Uh, the music is Jason Vant, and the cinematography Isaac Alonghi. So the uh, the cast is: we have uh, Chad Michael Murray as Atticus Virtue. We have uh, Marina Siritis. So. Donna Troy, I believe, in, uh, you know, the Star Trek films. She plays Haven, which is an AI. Uh, we have Sydney McKelly, who is the, the star, the lead. Max Winslow. Ah, you heard Max Winslow. You fought a guy, didn't you? No. Max being short for Maxine. Yes. <laughs> they pulled a sleight of hand on you people. But anyway, also there is Tana Buchananan as Connor Larson. They have Emery Kelly as Aiden. Jade Chinaweth as Sophia Peach. Jason Giano as Benny. Um, we've also got Anton Starkman as Ethan Winslow, right? So that's, uh, you know, Max's brother. We have Tyler Christopher as Wade Larson, right? So that's um, Connor's dad. Candice Michelle Barley as Tammy Larson. It's Connor's mother. Um, you know, we've got Julie... Tapkin as Kathy Winslow, that would be Max's mother, and we got Chuck Murr as Will Winslow, Max's dad, who uh, makes an appearance. So does Cassie Self as Sophia's mother. You know, a few other people thrown into the mix too. But you're wondering, what is the film about? Well, it basically is five teens you know they get invited to the home of an eccentric billionaire that's uh atticus virtue if you didn't guess and they are there to compete in a game to win his mansion dum 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 the night takes a dark turn when they become trapped in the house and are forced to face off against each other 
and an evil AI entity who controls everything in the house, including their fate. Ah, yes, there is always a twist, people. There is always a twist. So, the film starts off with um, a lot of kind of news reel, right? So it's uh, basically giving us a lowdown on Atticus Virtue, right? So it's just like, the youngest teen has won this and he created this and blah, blah, blah. So basically, it, it's letting us know that, you know, Virtue is the bee's knees in the tech community. He knows everything, right? That's what they're telling us. Then we, um, oh, but then it kind of goes, oh, he's kind of vanished. You know, we're like, so we got all of this stuff from him as a kid inventing all of this stuff. You know, it's high speed trains, space travel, blah, blah, blah. But then it's just like, oh, he's, no one's heard from uh, Virtue in a while. Oh, what's happening? Hmm. So then we go and we meet our cast, right? We we get kind of uh, a snapshot into their lives. So first we meet Max. Um, you know, they show her on the computer working on code because yes, she is a computer whiz. And then we have her with her mum, right? So you know, we then realize, okay, so single parent household their dad has left you know they've, they've problems with child support he's not paying it they've got bills ah things are a bit tough then um you know from there we meet some of our other cars oh, i mean also we then have her brother there we then meet um sophia right so we have her and we realize that okay she is addicted to the phone you know social media presence all of that that's what it's all about with her you know then we see some of the other people right we so we kind of get that a flash of um you know our our jock character <laughs> as it is Aiden right he he you know they go to school and we see him skate by you know just like hey, get out my way guys I'm the cool kid on the block yeah obviously there needs to be like the love interest type of thing so we have Max making moony eyes at Connor you know so all of that kind of thing we then see um, our little gaming guy, right? So Benny, he's um, sitting in gym class, but not participating in gym class because he's more interested in video games, right? So we just kind of get this. So you, you understand the archetypes of the characters that we've gotten, right? It, I mean, it's nothing too crazy, nothing too fancy. 
right? Then we get Connor. So we have him with his family and, you know, he's, right, a big sporting star, right? He's a lacrosse, he's very good at lacrosse scholarships. But what they do is they have him with his guitar. So then you realize, oh, he's he's not really the sports dude. He's more into the, the music. But that's what he's been pigeonholed. That's what he's been forced into by the fam. Right? So we understand what we're dealing with. Right? So they're at school. They um, are doing a poetry thing. We have Sophia, she's, you know, obviously she's all self-centered, so her poem's all about herself. Then we have Max come up. She's like, hey, I'm a computer geek. Hey, computer code, this is the poetry for me. Look at it, it's amazing. <laughs> but in the midst of all of this, everything goes dark. Wait, what's happening? And we get a message from Atticus Virtue. And this is where it all starts, right? So he lays out the plan, right? That I used to go to this school. It did great things for me. So I want to give back. So I'm going to, you know, select five, five students who will then get invited to my mansion and you've got a competition to do and a winner of the competition gets the mansion, right? So we have all of this kind of thing, you know, then we get the people get notifications. And so this is the thing, right? We've met the characters. <laughs> so straight away, you know who's going. Right, they like they didn't really style it out. <laughs> like it might have been a thing to do the announcement, and then we meet different characters, but throw in a few extra ones. So, oh, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? But no, they 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 went the other way, which is fine, right? So we have this, and then you know, they, they go to the mansion, right? And that's when the story unfolds to the next step, right? And, hmm, it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation, right? So, there's a load, there is a load of questions here, people. Like, I think, one of the major ones is, <laughs> in this day and age, are parents going to send their kids to uh, to a mansion in the middle of nowhere? Hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, that's the one thing that doesn't really get answered. <laughs> we, like, we see Max talking to her mum and, and her brother's there and all of that. But it's all pretty, uh, you know, there's no real child safety. It's just like, oh, I don't know. Should I Should I let you go? And then she's like, yeah, you should let me go. Okay, you can go. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's no, oh, how? let me, you know, call the school and make sure this guy is 
legit or let me put these things in place to ensure that you're going to be cool. No, no, no. They just go. <laughs> the parents farm them out. <laughs> so there is that. You know what I mean? And that's not the um, the biggest, really, glaring, odd thing of the film. But this is the thing. Right? When you look at this film, okay, and you think about everything it 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 does tick the boxes right it gives you the introduction you have the middle and then you have the end and it's got the 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 the, the structure right and we have the suspense you know they're playing this game and all of this yeah you know, and then we get a conclusion which wraps things up, you know, it does kind of leave things a little bit open in some respects. So if they wanted, they could possibly tell more, more stories, you know, maybe just with Atticus, maybe including Max, who knows. But there's, you know, there's different ways you could take this, but... I think a big part of this is you can't watch this film expecting too much, right? Because, yeah, I mean, listen, there there are holes in the story for sure, right? The, I mean, some of the interactions, some of the things they do, right? When they know that they're, they're there to do this game, Right, you have some of the things that they're saying. You're just like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like the, the the first thing is they have to enter a code, and the way they go about that, you just kind of scratch your heads a little bit, right? Especially when you're told you have three opportunities. If you fail, you're locked in here forever, and you could. Obviously, you could go up when they say forever. I mean, they're just being dramatic. But, you know, obviously, you then would have to think, well, we're in some weird mansion. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe we should look at it like we could get fucked up here. So let's be serious. And they're not really that serious with this first challenge. It's a little bit messy. It's a little bit weird. So you're kind of thinking, would they really do this? Is this how people would go about this shit? I don't know. Right? So you have these things. And it is kind of simple. It is, well, I say it's kind of, it's very simplistic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is... Man, it's some. It, it's kind of kooky cutter, right? It, it's not taxing, right? Like, I think a lot of things, you know, you get a problem and it's easy to easy to solve, and and a problem wouldn't be part of the game. But I'm talking about just these life scenarios, these issues that the film wants to throw up. 
you know, because essentially what this is. So back in the 80s, right, you used to get these after school specials, you know, like the BBC used to have them. So they'd be on about five o'clock, right? So after Blue Peter and all of that kind of things, you'd have these after school specials and they'd be like, I remember one was the boy that sold his shadow. And, you know, the, you know, at the end, there's this realization and then it's like, actually, it's important to have a shadow. I can't believe I need to get it back and they get it back. And then it's just like, I'm looking at the world in a different way. I'm going to be more appreciative. Yay. Yeah, so it was stuff like that. Like the old He-Man cartoons. It would always end with this corny message. Like, hey guys, <laughs> this is He-Man. And this episode was all about friendship. As you see, me and Orko, we fell out. But we sat down, we talked about it, and now we're friends stronger than ever. And that's what you should do if you ever have a situation... All right. See you next time, kids. <laughs> so the, yeah, it was it was very corny, right? But everything was framed like that. And you could say that this is your modern interpretation of that, right? This is the uh you know, the 2020 like moral template you know because we got these issues about social media uh, about like gaming about <sighs> following other people's dreams and goals you know and not living in the real world you know not communicating hiding away from stuff right so these are the kind of messages that it's putting out there and also i think using bad role models right so i think these are the core tenets of the film and they all get addressed in different stages with the characters you know so um that's what we get and yes Everything gets solved pretty easily. It's simplistic, but it's kind of shining that light on things. And I think as we've found, some people, you know, they, they need it in a simplistic, clear way. And that's not saying that people are stupid, but... I think messages can become, you know, convoluted, right? So this, it, it's pretty clear what it's saying. And for a target audience, a younger target audience, I think this isn't a bad thing, you know? I think older people, yeah, this ain't going to work for older people. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Uh, your 20 year olds, hey, even probably eight, 16, 18 year olds, they might go, it's a little bit simplistic, 
I mean, not not everyone, right? But what we have, basically, right? So Max, you could say Max is your Hermione Granger character. So this is uh, Podatech, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Harry Potter was magic and this is tech and it's the, it's the same sort of thing because Harry Potter is very simplistic in the things it was saying and and this is that right so it's I don't know Maze Runner you know Hunger Games you know for a, a younger audience that's what you have here so for, for those kids, you know, for a, a, maybe like, what, a six-year-old, eight-year-old, something like that probably, this this works. You know, it is, it's probably scary enough, intriguing enough. You know, the story, story moves along, right? Moves along. They don't make it too mushy because you know little kids hate all of that but they do have that kind of i guess fairy tale element in you know happily ever after and all of that kind of jazz all rolled into it and just that simple easy approach so hey as said right this is a perfect film for half term because it yeah it keys in with that audience so yeah it's out well tomorrow right from the 23rd onwards so you can go to the cinema go check it out or um you know watch it at home right go to your um I don't know, your VODs and all of that kind of shenanigans, possibly. But, uh, yeah, it's it's not too long. It's an hour, it's roughly an hour and a half, right? And it's a 12A. So, yeah, there you go, people. I mean, I think in a lot of the promotional, you know, jargon, they're saying it's a cross between Charlie and the Chocolate Fantry and the Breakfast Club. Not quite. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's not as complex as, a, <laughs> as the Breakfast Club. Yeah, this is kind of more boy meets world. <laughs> you know what I mean? That kind of fair, right? It, it's one of those ones. You know, just think... Disney Channel, right? And that's what that's what you will get. But uh, yeah, if you like that kind of thing, people, if you know your kids like that, you know, like that kind of thing, then hey, Max Winslow and that House of Secrets is gonna be perfect for you. All right, so uh, yeah, there you go, people. Um, you know, as we always do. There'll be a trailer, you know, and all of that kind of information, the social media information, all of that jazz in the episode, you know, details. So, uh, yeah, there you go.
check it out. All right, cool, cool. Okay, so man, when you see something that is completely different to what you expected, it is a trip. Yo, so I just watched Every Time I Die, which, um, yeah, def like it's a sci fi film, right? And so, you know, you get the email, you. Sometimes there's the poster. And you look at the poster and you kind of have uh, an idea, right? Like it gives you a, a, a kernel of an inkling of the flavor of the film. But this, yo, it, it was a complete 180. It's, this film is crazy. Okay, so it is written well it's directed by robbie michael right who also produced it along with gail katzia tal lazar uh david m mish and michael and kalzia both co-wrote the film as well Right, uh, so it is starring Drew Fontierio as he plays Sam, Mark Menchaca, who plays Jay, right? Michelle Macedo plays Jay's wife, Poppy. Then we've got Tyler White, who plays Tyler. And Melissa Macedo, yes, related to Michelle, plays Mia, who is Tyler's wife. And, um, yeah, a little bit of something extra. Okay, so the music is Ran Bagno. And the cinematography is also Tal Lazar. Now, the premise of this film is, um, yeah, it's basically this. When Sam is murdered in a remote lake, his consciousness begins to travel through the bodies of his friends in an effort to protect them from his killer. This dark passage leaves him on a greater journey, discovering his own true identity. So... I mean, that, it, it gives you a little something, but just not really what this film is, right? This film, man, it takes you on a lot of different frigging places, all right? So, what I found interesting was, um, so the film starts, right, and, uh, like, it's very... It's trippy because we we see a camera, right? We see a camera on the side, and then we have s someone. It's like they're sitting up, and we're seeing this light and doors. You know, it's hard to really tell what's going on. 
But then, yeah, we're just seeing light, right? We're just seeing light. And so you're thinking, huh. But now we've got a fan, right? We see a ceiling fan. And you're just like, okay, we're in a room. And then you see a woman's face. And the interesting thing, like, so we're seeing through someone's eyes, right? And this is, it's a view that you get sometimes in films, but definitely not out the gate, right? So this is like, what what's going on, right? You have this impression of, oh, are we in a vision? How's this starting? What's the play here? So we see this person and, you know, they're like trying to get this girl to stick around. Right? Oh, have breakfast. Stay, stay, stay. You know, and she's telling him to have a shower. And so we get all of this thing playing out, which kind of gives you an indication that this isn't all that we're seeing. There's more to this situation and it definitely reeks right i mean i mean when you watch it you'll think to yourself hmm there is definitely something going on here and it seems illicit right so then we get the guy he's in the shower you know in the bathroom he's looking in the mirror and it's like he gets this pain, gets this kind of weird, like, headache. But then, you know, the time's shifted, right? So we, he's had this headache, and time has clearly shifted. So, you know what I mean? Like, the thing that really um, came to me at this moment was, oh, is this, like, Edge of Tomorrow? You know, that Tom Cruise film where he dies, comes back, dies, comes back. You know what I mean? Living this day. And I'm thinking, oh, is it something like that? Right? Because, yeah, we, we've got this weird trippy time sequence thing. And so, uh, yeah, we, we've got these situations, right? So, it's not clear. It's not wholly clear what we what we're seeing right and then suddenly we've got the guy in a car and you see that he's seeing the girl that he was with that morning but she's with another dude now right he gets out the car but then has this other another one of these crazy headaches then we get another flashback and we see this camera again you know, we've got this time lapse on a cigarette. And then the next thing we know, he's in, yeah, he's in the car and it's clearly nighttime. Right? But Nanny's at work. So it's very trippy and you're thinking, oh, is this something different? Right? Has he jumped in time? Is it back in his own reality? It is very trippy the way this film starts so he's now with his work colleague and the way things like things are getting talked about 
you're just like, oh, yeah, no, there, there must be this alternate reality situation, but it, it's not, right? It's not. It's weird, right? The film is weird, but you have no clue what's going on, really. But you're just mad intrigued, right? So you realize that these guys, they're paramedics, right? We So we see them, the paramedics, and now he's trying to save someone's life. They've gone to a job, he's trying to save someone's life. So you're thinking, oh, is it a quantum leap thing? Like, really, what is going on? I don't know. But it doesn't matter because, yeah, you're trying to work this out. Because it's clearly more than what we're aware. But then, then we get some sort of, oh, okay. So we get some sort of clarity on this film. And, yeah, trippy relationships. Right, so all of this is happening and you're thinking, okay, right, I think I've got a handle on things to some extent. But no, you really don't. So that's the, this is the trippy thing, right? So for the first, I don't know, 20 minutes of the film, right, we, we think that it's kind of this whole relationship situation oh but it gets crazy from this point onwards probably yeah i would probably say i don't know 25 minutes 30 minutes onwards what we now have is something completely different right and you are, I don't know, you're trying to piece these things together because it kind of makes sense, but it doesn't make sense, right? We're, we're like, what are we seeing? Like, really, what are we seeing? Because there's a, all these weird situations and these weird things that are at play, and it yeah, it's odd. Now, while all of this is happening, we're getting these, just all of these flashbacks to Sam when he's a kid. Right? So, and these flashbacks are kind of interfering with, yeah, just the way he's navigating life right now. And what we then realize... Right, there is definitely this kind of reality trip thing happening. But it's, yeah, I can't really think of a film that I've seen that does this. Maybe like a Twilight Zone episode, maybe something like that. But yeah, you know, in a film... Now, we've seen a few things that are slightly similar, but not doing it in this way. 
right so the film is unfolding and the way it's unfolding is uh, it's through these different people so it's kind of like a uh, a dominoes effect as such but it, what it means is every character all the actors and actresses involved in this film they have to give us these really nuanced performances right because it's like you're playing two different people but the other person you're playing it's a bit like you don't really know you're playing that per it's it's a trip right now ah it's hard to explain because you don't want to ruin anything but oh man we get some great performances because you really have to buy you know the, this this weird kind of occurrence but what it does though you believe that the film is um this certain thing right you believe that what we are now getting is this new story right this this new story about death and kind of uh, like solving the puzzle you know what I mean but it's so much more right it, it, it is so much more which is ah uh, it's insane right the story is insane because I think we, we gotta um huh. I don't even know people, right? I think we, we got to believe that a few of these incidences, they're only happening kind of because of like these split second decisions, right? These split second things just alter this timeline alter this time frame but as the film goes on you kind of think is there something more at play here right is there a bigger force which ah uh, it, it's a little bit baffling it's a little bit baffling but the payoff at the oh the payoff at the very end it will blow your mind right it will blow your mind because you keep as things unfold and you learn more right you get we're getting more information as the events roll on and you think right you think you're going in one direction but you really you're just not you know, and that's the crazy thing. You're you're really not, but it's a good payoff, right? Like it's definitely satisfying. And I think 
you know, I, I, I like I've seen written that the the film is a bit too trippy, and you know, it, it doesn't quite do itself justice. But I think what the the issue is, you can't come into this thinking that you're getting this completely linear story. You know what I mean? Like, you have to understand that this film is nuanced and layered, right? There is a lot happening, and you've got to pay attention. Like, you really have to pay attention to everything, right? The flashbacks, the present day, because... Oh man, there, there is, it's so easy to misconstrue things, right? And I think you could possibly misconstrue the ending. But yeah, the ending, oh man, it, it's that crazy satisfying, like, oh shit, that's what was going on, right? That's what you get at the ending. So, people, you've got to pay attention to this. You know what I mean? The, don't put it on if you're tired. Don't put it on. You, like, you can't have this on while you're doing other shit. You, you, you want to focus on this film. Right? Because if you don't, oh, you could miss oh, some pivotal shit. Okay? So, um, yeah, every time I die... It's it's trippy, it's crazy. Like I, I think you could probably say that um source code, right? So if you enjoyed source code, that's something that kind of has a semblance with this, but they're definitely different films. Now, I, I, people have said but the butterfly effect. I don't really know if I'd say that. But it's it's a weird storyline. So, like, something like Memento, where you're getting pieces of information with every flow of the film, right? And everything you think you know, you don't know. Right, it's one of those trippy motherfucking things, right? So, yeah, if that's your thing, right? If you like these weird, herky-jerky films that just flow upstream, yeah, every time I die, then that's a film for you. It's definitely a film for you. And, hey, hats off to everyone involved. Because these performances, oh man, like without these performances, the film would just fall apart. So Drew, you know, Drew Fonterio, you know, he's great. But I think you really have to give hats off to the Macedo sisters. I think they're sisters, right? Because... Ah, oh, it it really pivots on them, right? This really pivots on the performances they give us 
towards the end of the film. Right? Uh, and, yeah. They do a great job. Like, everyone involved does a great job. You know? I think this might might be a very unique film, really, because it plays, it plays with certain tropes and just completely flips them, right? So it gives us this new thing, right? And that's always great because there's only so many ideas, but it's how you play with those ideas, how you work them, how you tell that story. And, um, yeah, Robbie Michel, Michael, Robbie Michael and Gail Katzia have crafted one hell of a crazy ass story. So, people, yeah, check it out. I definitely recommend this film every time I die. And, um, yeah, you'll be able to, uh, you know, put eyes on it from Monday the 26th of uh, October. Alright, so um, yeah, it's digital download, so you can get it from the usual spots. Also, take a look at Netflix. Alright, people, there you go. Every time I die. Okay, so I thought I would check out Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, to be honest with you people... I'd forgotten every single thing about this film. You know what I mean? Every single goddamn thing. Now, the crazy thing is, I, I remember earlier in the year looking forward to this. And I'd, 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 you know, I'd heard rumblings about it, you know, the years before. But remember when it was finally, yes, this has been made, it's coming out. Boom. And I was thinking, that sounds crazy. Good. I can't wait to see this. Rolling, <laughs> rolling motherfucking October. I'd forgotten everything. Every single thing. Which is always a good thing, people. It's always a good thing. Because then you're surprised. Right? You're surprised. And there are good surprises to have. Oh, man. There are good surprises to have. So, basically, right, this is, it's a legal drama. And, oh, there have definitely been some real good legal dramas, right? You know what I mean? And um, then when you realise it's written and directed by Aaron motherfucking Sorkin? Ha <laughs> ha! Well, enough said, right? So, as I said, look, Sorkin directed this motherfucker. It's produced by Stuart M. Beezer, Matt Jackson, Mark Platt, and Tyler Thompson. Again, as I mentioned, Sorkin wrote it. Um, the music is by Daniel Pemberton. Um, its cinematography is Feden Pamichael. Pam oh, I think that's maybe how you pronounce it, I don't even know, um, now, the cast, goddamn motherfucking people, the cast is pretty tight, pretty tight, we have got Eddie Raymond, Redmayne, 
yeah, Eddie Redmayne, who is Tom Hayden, a, um, yeah, he was a leader of, um, you know, and president of the Students for Democratic Societies. Then you had Alex Sharp, who was a Rennie Davis, who was a national organizer of community organizing for the Students of Democratic Society, Hayden's friend. We then had Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby Hoffman, who was a member of the Youth International Party. Um, had Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin, a fellow member of the Youth International Party with Hoffman. You know, they were buddies, right? Then we had John Carroll Lynch as David Dellinger, not Dillinger, Dellinger, who is the leader of the National Mobilization Committee to end the war in Vietnam, and also a Cub Scout leader, <laughs> as he mentions, right? Uh, we have Noah Rubens, who played Lee Weiner, and Daniel Flattery, who played John Froonies, who were both they were there, but they were kind of, mm, you know, you can find that shit out, people. We had um, Mark Rylance, who played a Re William Kunstler, uh, who was a member of Defence Council, along with Ben Schenkman, who played Leonard Wineglass, who was um, Kunstler's, you know, co-defence. We then had Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Richard Schultz, who was a federal prosecutor. Uh, J.C. McKenzie, who was Tom Foran, another prosecutor. Had Frank Langella, who was Judge Julius Hoffman. Um, we had Yaya Abdul Mateen II, as Bobby Seal, and if you don't know people, Bobby Seal is the national chairman of the Black Panther Party, right? And you're kind of, you might think, wait, what? Are the Black Panthers involved in this? Yeah, it all becomes clear. Kelvin Harrison Jr. was Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the you know, Illinois, Chicago chapter of the Panthers, and you should know Fred Hampton's name, as well as Seal, you know. Um, we also had John Dorman as John N. Mitchell, the Attorney General, and we had Michael Keaton as Ramsey, Ramsey Clark, the former attorney general yeah so yeah clark was the attorney general when the riots happened and everything like that while johnson was still in power and then when nixon came into power clark resigned and mitchell took over it all plays into the film people all plays into the film i mean look 
there's a whole host of other very talented actors and actresses in this film. It is, um, yeah, it was a superb cast. It really was. Interestingly enough, right, this film, it was, um, oh, you know what? I haven't even told you what the fuck the film's about. I mean, you you probably know, but let me just, you know, break it down for you people. So, in Chicago, 1968, and so much happened in fucking 68, right? The Democratic Party convention was met with protests from activists like the moderate students for a democratic society led by Tom Hayden and militant yippies led by Abby Hoffman and Jerry Rubin, which led to violent confrontations with the local authorities. As a result, seven of the accused ringleaders are arraigned on charges like conspiracy by the mm, charges like conspiracy by the hostile Nixon administration, including Bobby Seale of the Black Panthers, who was not involved in the incident. Yeah, yeah, that's right, people. Um, what follows is an unfair trial presided by the belligerent Judge Hoffman and prosecuted by a reluctant but duty-bound Richard Schultz. As their pro bono lawyers face such odds, Hayden and his fellows are frustrated by Yippie's outrageous antics undermining their defense in defiance of the system even while seal is denied a chance to defend himself his way along the way the chicago seven clash in their political philosophies even as they learn they need each other in this fight okay i mean that's a fair assessment of you know what we had right I'd say it's a fair assessment. Now, um, as I was saying, look, some interesting things. This film, it's, you know what I mean? Sulkin kind of was developing this idea back in 2006, right? Which is crazy, you know? He wrote the script in... Um, 2007 but it got tied up in the uh, guild writers strike so you know things got put aside and everything like that and then it's just been you know brought back up every now and again and then you know it, as, as these things do at times but there was a point where Spielberg Right, he want he tried to get Will Smith to play Bobby Seal, and yo, I have to say, I'm glad that shit didn't happen. You know what I mean? Like, listen, Will, he, he's a good actor. He's a good actor, but he's a certain type of actor. You know, and a lot of the times he's Will Smith. You know. So I just think the casting we got for Seal, you know, 
think um yeah yaya he he was extremely good extremely good they funny enough as well they also wanted well i mean he did sign on like he signed on um well we had uh seth rogan seth rogan was going to be playing the uh you know the jeremy strong role right <laughs> yeah he he was going to be um you know jerry rubin i and you can see that strong and rogan had that kind of similar a bit like um oh charlie day right they all kind of roll into one you know what i mean but yeah it's interesting how these different people were involved like different directors were involved as well you know they you had ben stiller at one point attached to direct paul greengrass was attached to direct but i have to say sulkin does do a very good job so everything starts with johnson talking about vietnam and how they had devised an idea to you know increase the number of troops so we see this and uh, the new lottery that they had thought of and conceived to bring more people now uh, there's people that say that's not factually correct and it actually happened after all of this went down uh, you know it's hollywood right but you uh, hey it was a crazy time like we all know that so we have this and then we see our different groups you know our different groups and how they all kind of got to chicago you know so we see um hayden and davis you know they're talking at a uh i don't even know like a gathering right a meeting so they're talking um we have hoffman and ruben doing the same in a big hall talking to their followers uh we see um dellinger he's with his wife and kid and he's you know he's just getting ready to leave and so he's talking and saying what he plans to do and all of this his wife says don't get into trouble don't worry honey i won't and then we see seal right seal in the panthers office and i i don't know i forget who he's talking to right she's a fine a fine young lady though um but anyway anyway so he's all talking and the crazy thing is he's just like yeah i'm going to give a speech i'm only gonna be in chicago for four hours and then i'm coming home right and this is that's a crazy thing so we have all of this and then right then it jumps to a year later you know after the incident and we have got um you know john mitchell john n mitchell talking to um tom fran and richard schultz right saying how he wants to you know convict these people 
He wants to convict him and he's pissed at Ramsey Clark for resigning and all of this. And you know what I mean? So they're talking about all of this. And so this is the thing that was interesting because Schultz, he thought that the whole thing was a bit tenuous. You know, the crimes that they, you know, the act that they wanted to use to indict these people, he's just like, yeah, it's a bullshit act. I mean, <laughs> these words aren't verbatim, people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, he's saying, look, they were cooked up for for ways to um you know subjugate uh people of uh you know a different racial persuasion and all of that and so but you know Mitchell really wants this to do, go through and Schultz really wanted the job so uh yeah it goes to court and so we, we see everything and the way everything happens. Look, we do this thing that Sorkin likes to do. You know, we've seen it in The West Wing and countless other other films that he's written and directed, right? Where you start at one point and then you jump back in time. You know, we get the flashbacks and blah, blah, blah. Because, so, because we jumped in time, you're like, oh, we didn't see what happened. Huh, I wonder what happened. But, the story is so compelling, you're fine with, you know, just seeing how it unfolds in court. But we do get, you know, jump backs to certain incidents. And over the course of the film, we get a clear, well, I mean, as clear as you can, right? A clear indication of what kind of happened, what instigated it all, how it went down. You know, so we get all of that. And it's interesting as fuck, right? I have to say, everyone, oh man, everyone gives tremendous performances. We get great performance. I mean, yo, Frank Langella as, you know, the judge is superb, right? He is superb because the judge is fucking nuts. Real straight up nuts. Right, but then everyone else, there is a, I mean, like, there's a gravitas to Ramsey Clark. Keaton brings that, Keaton kills it. And he's not in it for that much, but he kills it uh, in that role. Everyone else does as well. As I said, look, Yaya smashes Seal. Like, Harrison Jr. is great with Hampton. And, look, Harrison Jr., he... Man, he was doing great things last year, right? We talked about a couple of films he was in during, um, you know, the London Film Festival that were very good. I mean, one I liked more than the other, but his performance in the other was still very good. You know, like Rylance was good at Kushner. Um, yeah, everyone did a great job. Now, I will say, right, my... my my, my, I guess my problem is the whole Bobby Seal, I think, part of the film, right? Because it's, what we see, it's not fucking good, you know what I mean? 
it's not good like it's racial discrimination at its utmost it's it's terrible right we see some terrible shit and there's not much conversation around it right that's i think that's the thing that kind of bothered me a little because everything that you were seeing was so just bad right and you're just like wait and no one's saying anything really you know what i mean just in the side conversations and stuff like that and you think hey they i'm sure there'd be more right there's a few references here and there like um you know when they go to visit clark you know the, the 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 maid does say something to Hayden, right? And you're just like, eh. yeah, but that's not. It didn't seem, it like it just seemed like this footnote in this greater film. And I get it because he was not a part of this whole thing, right? They they used him, and look, it's explained really why he was there in the film but the fact he was there and the treatment he received it's so crazy when you compare it to everyone else right and the shit that there's a, an incident that happens and it's horrendous right and so you kind of think yo there should be more like there should be more said right and there isn't you know, and we're told that, um, you know, Schultz, he didn't really want to be a part of it. He was kind of reluctant. Now, we see him kind of protest. Well, he did protest, I guess, right? One thing. But I, you kind of feel that if, if, if you were really reluctant, there would have been, there should have been more, right? There should have been more. So you do wonder, right? You do wonder because, listen, right? There is, you know, overt racism, you know, that we saw from Hoffman. And then there's that crazy shit, right? Where people don't really think they are, but they kind of are. You know, and not not through anything too crazy, but it's just their whole. Eh, well, you know, I why should I help that person? And well, you know, probably they probably committed a crime, and you know, what I mean, just that subtle bullshit, right? So you kind of think, well, what really was a sentiment? Because it was the fucking sixties, man, and that shit was crazy. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Like, they, we get mention of, like, Martin Luther King's assassination and then Hampton, right? That is talked about in the film, so you know what was going down, right? So, yeah, it's just the seal thing kind of bothered me. It bothered me. Everything else, though, it, it's very powerful, you know, and it's like, you know, Sorkin knows how to hit those moments. You know what I mean? Really hit those moments. And just the way he will drip feed you the information. You know, really get you worked up 
it to an emotional level. You know, like, so he, there's moments where he fires you up and you're heated like a motherfucker. And then there's other moments where you just feel kind of crushed, right? And, and he knows how to do that. And, and it's, ah, handled with a plum, people. Handled with a plum. You know, the music works very well. It's not too pronounced. It's kind of subtle in the background in certain scenes, playing it up. So that was great. Yo, the cinematography, the, 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 you know, the costumes, all of this, really motherfucking good. You know what I mean? They really just knocked it out the park, right? And I have to say, because... So this started off as a Paramount Pictures film, but because of COVID and everything like that, you know, they're trying to recoup money. <laughs> because, you know, I think a good chunk of change was spent on this film, right? So I think they're saying like 35 mil. So, um, yeah, Paramount are like, how can we make back some of the money we've spent when we're not making money from the cinema? So they sold it to Netflix. Man, I'd be pissed, because this is a good film, right? So you'd kind of want that shit on your slate, right? So yeah, uh, Paramount, crazy motherfuckers, right? But um, yeah, this, this is a very good film. Very good film, with strong performances, and, and you do get a good sense of you know, the time, the incident, everything like that, like, they have stock footage that they kind of insert into certain roles, which is great, right, so we get that black and white, you know, imagery of, like, the police meeting the rioters, the rioters, you know, people marching, and all of that, we have some of that footage, which, yo, that really helps bring this shit alive, and make you go, oh, okay, so they weren't joking, you know, because, as I said, look, at the beginning of the film, you know, as I said, look, that supposedly didn't happen at that time, so you always understand when you watch these big films, there's a little bit of, you know, artistic license thrown in, but when you see the actual footage, you're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, 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 no, that's some serious shit, Ooh, that's some crazy shit, people, so, yeah, it, it, it brings it home, really does, now, they do that frustrating thing that I just hate, I motherfucking hate, so, the film finishes, and then they give you more information, or with text, I'm just like, at least, if you're not going to show it pictorially, you know what I mean, at least have someone fucking narrate it, why do you always do this shit, now luckily it's on Netflix, so I can just stop it and read it, if it was in the cinema, I wouldn't have got any of that shit, so that is a bonus about stuff not being in the cinema, you know what I mean, next time people, just get someone to narrate that shit, come on, you've got all these actors in the film, Get someone to read that shit at the end. You're killing me. But, um, yeah, people, see this. Everyone does great, as I said, tremendous performances. 
I'm, I'm, I'm so, like, you know, drawn into the film. I'm even, I, like, I'm, I'm, you know, you're watching it and you thinking, that person looks familiar. And I couldn't recall anyone, right? Because they were killing it with the performance. You know, you didn't think, oh, that's Sasha and Baron Cohen. No, because he gave this different performance. Now, he was hitting that fucking... You know, like, every now and again, he was hitting that Boston kind of uh, drool and shit. Which is like, alright, Abby. <laughs> You're going a little hard on that at time. And it was every, on and off, right? So just like, ah, calm down a little. But, yeah, every, you, you, you looked at it and you're just like, yo... Man, you, I didn't even, you know, I mean, the performance was so strong. I didn't realize that was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You know what I mean? I didn't realize it was Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Right? Like, it, was, it was that good, people. So, go watch The Trial of the Chicago 7. It is very, very good. So, it's 130 minutes, so just over two hours. But you are engrossed all the way. So, yeah, go watch it. Have fun. And, um, yeah, learn a little science. Sign. You feel me? All right. Okay, people. So, before we bounce, let's take a look and see... What's happening in the world of films? So, um, yeah, I think this has been floating around for a while, but MGM have set the um, date, well, the month of May 2022 as the uh, time when they will finally release their third installment in Reese Witherspoon's Legally Blonde franchise. So this one is um, co-written by Mindy Kalen and Dan Gua. Um, supposedly it's dealing with female empowerment, but that's kind of what all of them <laughs> were dealing with. I kind of what are guys from those films, but uh, yeah, people will be able to see um, in a couple of years if it was worth the wait. Uh, so we then have a uh, a new film from Brad Anderson. Okay, so it's called Blood. And it's through uh, Rhea Films. Okay, so um, Will Honley wrote the script. And it's starring Street Skeet Ulrich and Michelle Monobom. Okay, so the film follows Jess, a separated mother and a nurse who moves with her daughter and young son Owen back into her old family farmhouse. Shortly after settling in, Owen is bitten by the family dog, resulting in a mysterious infection from the bite. When Jess discovers a disturbing cure, she is tested on the extent she'll go to keep her child alive. Okay, so, um, yeah, the film's called Blood. Hmm. 
um then people so um we mentioned it in uh echoes from the void but it's been announced that the fast and the furious franchise is coming to an end yes people you have heard it the weird <laughs> the very weird juggernaut is coming to a close so the ninth film was delayed and that's coming out next year but they're gonna tie it all up with a 10th and 11th which are um, supposedly a joint story which makes sense because you know the next film they are going to space <laughs> ah that's right people in the 10th film they're going to friggin space right so i think things are still getting tied up but it's thought that justin lynn will uh, helm those last two films and chris morgan will be writing the script <laughs> Alright, so um, now this is interesting. So I think DC comic fans and those that, you know, took part in their uh, recent DC fandom events in August, they may have heard that, yeah, there's going to be a static shock film coming. So um, this is, uh, yeah. Reginald Hoodland, he's going to be uh, directing the film, but it's coming through uh, Michael B. Jordan's, you know, film company, Outlier Society. So, uh, yeah, it means he will be producing the film. Um, I think it said that he's going to have some sort of creative insight. But no real word on what that will be Or if he will be um, starring in the film in some way But uh, yeah, that's coming um, Now uh -huh, They, you know, I mean, th this has been I don't know, they've been doing things They tried to reboot it a few years back But, um, you know, Hasbro you know, now they've moved the franchise over to E1 Yeah, they're taking another stab at Power Rangers But, right, so this time it's not just movies, right They have, um, yeah, they've got Jonathan Entwistle to, uh Kind of usher in a connected cinematic and you know greater universe. So it sounds like they want to you know take this franchise with films, you know, TV, probably video games as well. Uh, so yeah, and Whistle is, um, yeah, he's just planning all of that craziness out. So if you were a fan of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers back in the 90s, you know, sounds like you will be getting more of that at some point soon. So, um, 
I think, look, everything's getting delayed right now, right? So, I think all those big films that you were waiting for, I think there's a good bet that, you know, it's going to get pushed back. So, the new lot of films that have, um, yeah, got new dates is, um, you know, the new Ghostbusters film. You know, this is through uh, Jason Reitman, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Sounded real interesting, but yeah, it is now being moved, so it will be dropping the 11th of June 2021, right? So basically, a year from when it was meant to come. Um, so we will also be getting um, Don't Breathe. Uh, so that's now gonna open on the 13th of August 2021 um, and Universal has um, yeah they've moved Candyman the Nia da Costa re um, reimagining that will now be opening on the 27th of August 2021 Yep uh, Some other news Okay, so um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness Has um, now got a, a new addition to the cast So um, uh, Zochitil Gomez I believe that's how you pronounce her name. She's in the Babysitter's Club, right? But, um, yeah, she has now uh, joined the cast. Um, no word on who she's going to be playing, you know? But, uh, yeah, could be interesting. I don't know if we've got Clea, so maybe she will be playing that role. I don't know. We will see... Um, now, Dean Taylor is um, going to be directing an English language remake of a Vietnamese horror film called The Housemaid. Okay, so um, yeah, it's, you know, keeping the same name. Um, and this will be coming through CJ Entertainment. Okay, so. Um, other news uh, Cole Holzer and Mel Gibson Are teaming up For a uh, new film From Mark Neverline um, And this is called Panama Yeah um, No real word on um, Really uh, A lot about it It's getting written by William R. Barber and alright, it's, it's around um, some former Marines. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so got some Netflix news, people. Uh, Queen Latifah, Robert Duval, and Ben Foster, along with Adam Sandler, are making a uh, basketball film. <laughs> Yep, it's called Hustle And it's, um, yeah Directed by Jeremiah Zaga So, um, 
Yeah, in this film, Sandler stars as a down-on-his-luck basketball scout who discovers a once-in-a-lifetime player with a rocky past abroad and it takes and takes it upon himself to bring the phenom to the state without his team's approval. Against the odds, they have one final shot to prove they have what it takes to make it in the NBA. So, um, yeah, this is a, a joint production between Happy Madison and LeBron James's Spring Hill. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be starring some NBA players. Um, Junchi Hemena Gomez, Jordan Hull. Um, yeah, and some, you know, sports commentators, Kenny Smith. You know, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Could be interesting. We will have to wait and see. Also coming through Netflix will be um, a new Jamie Foxx film called Day Shift. So um, in this, Fox will be playing a hard-working blue-collar dad who wants to provide a good life for his quick-witted eight-year-old daughter. His mundane San Fernando Valley pool-cleaning job is a front for his real source of income, hunting and killing vampires. Oh my days So J.J. Perry Will be making his Directorial debut with the feature Um Yeah And uh, Tyler Tice Will be Writing the script So um Yeah I don't know We'll see how that one goes right Um Alright so uh, if you're a fan of the comic book Mercy Sparks, you will be yeah happy to know that MGM are uh, bringing that to the big screen. All right, so um, Nick Sharif wrote the script. Um, Alex Heinemann, Andrew Rona, and Jack Heller are producing. And um, the story is this, you know, so uh, a female demon sent to Earth on a mission which she must complete while hiding among humans. Um, She soon has an existential crisis and begins to see the grey area between good and evil, forcing her to choose her place within it and compromise her mission. Hmm, could be interesting, people. And um, yo, this ah, this is great, a great piece of news to end on. Uh, Wendell Pierce, who is just oh man, he's been killing it lately, you know. Um, and ah, he was very good into um, you know, the death of a stablesman, but uh, he has just been cast to um, play a jazz legend, BB King. 
Yeah. Oh man. That's uh Yeah. Crazy, right? Um the film is gonna be called The Thrill Is On. Um and Xantis and Melora Donahue are writing the script. So basically um it's meant to uh, play on the friendship between King and um a young musician um Michael Zentis. Yeah. So uh, I know. I, I just think, you know, Pierce is such a phenomenal actor. I'm just like you know, interested to see how he can bring BB King to life. And uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I have a feeling this is going to be something, something a little bit special. But we'll have to wait and see. But people, yeah, that's us for another episode. So yeah, real interesting films this week. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's been something for everyone Or I think Will bring you enjoyment So uh, Yeah check all these Things out You know what I mean If they grab your attention But uh, yeah share with your peoples You know what I mean Leave comments all of that jazz And we will catch you Next Thursday Alright Peace